0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 37 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and welcome back from our week off. I'm still in the process of moving, taking all the big stuff in boxes on the weekend, and I also don't have much in my new recording room, so if there is an echo, I do apologize. I hope to have some uh, soundproof foam paneling up soon. But with all that... Uh, Today's episode will be an easier one for myself. We will get back to the true crime stuff once I'm all settled in the new house. So with all that out of the way, let's just get right into the episode. Everyone sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. Our first story comes from YorgoStories.com This took place in the mid-80s, when I was 11 or 12. My mom was an art teacher back then, and my best friend's mom was an artist. So there was a lot of artsy things floating around our two households. Cracked pottery, sculptures, fancy drapes, costume jewelry, you name it. But the one thing that took the cake was a real human skull that my friend's mom used for a sketching model. How she came to own it is unclear to me. I do know that it wasn't a deceased family member. The first incident took place on an extremely cold evening in January. My friend invited several of us over to her place to hang out. The reason that I mention the cold is because she had dark thermal drapes in her room. The drapes kept out the chill but they also blocked out streetlights, headlights, and whatever natural light was left that day. We decided not to turn on the lights inside, and we lit candles instead. After playing a few rounds of cards, one of us had the bright idea that we should try to summon some spirits. We had no idea what we were doing, but we wanted to make it a glamorous affair by decorating my friend's dresser with, quote, offerings. The dresser had a huge trifold mirror on top. We draped some sparkly necklaces and scarves around the mirror, put some jewelry boxes in front of it, and we set the candles in front of the mirror, spread out our deck of cards, and you guessed it, I placed the skull in the middle of this arrangement. Then we huddled on my friend's bed and waited. None of us knew how to summon spirits, so we just sat there waiting for something to happen. I had some misgivings about using the skull, but I went along with the scheme, thinking that it was harmless. Since I was a little scared, I didn't look at the dresser, but I focused my attention on the dark corner shielded from all the light by a huge old-fashioned wardrobe. The corner was very dark. Suddenly, a faint circular light appeared there and started to grow. Strangely enough, it did not scare me. I just sat there and I watched it get bigger. It felt like a long time, but I doubt that this lasted longer than a few seconds. Suddenly, the bedroom door flew open and my friend's three-year-old brother burst into the room banging pots and lids together and offering to fry us an egg. The light from the hallway poured into the dark bedroom and the faint circle of light disappeared. I asked my friends later if any of them had saw anything. They said that they didn't, but they were looking at the dresser in the mirror. I was the only one who was too scared to look at our centerpiece. I tried to convince myself afterwards that what I saw was perfectly natural. Perhaps it was a ray of light that preceded the opening of the bedroom door. Unfortunately, no explanation seemed completely adequate. Light from the door would have started as a linear streak, not a circle. Maybe the darkness messed with my vision, but then again, perhaps we were all saved from a massive scare by a three-year-old chef. The following fall, my mom borrowed the skull for sketching. For a few weeks, it sat in the middle of our fancy dining room table. As I didn't have to see the skull at night, I wasn't particularly scared of it, but generally preferred to steer clear. Several weeks into the skull's temporary residency, my mom called me into the dining room and asked me to bring her a duffel bag. She seemed very concerned about something. When I arrived with the bag, she loaded the skull into it and she told me not to touch the skull and asked me to take it back to my friend's house as soon as possible. I was really spooked at that point, and I ran rather quickly to my friend's place. When I got back, my mom breathed a sigh of relief and told me that she thought that the skull had really bad energy. A few weeks later, she explained that after she brought the skull home, all kinds of little things started going wrong. Nothing really serious, just annoying little things. But she wouldn't elaborate. But she said that as soon as the skull left, everything went back to normal. Our next story comes from the United Kingdom, and it's their experience with a haunted barn. Back in 2017, a farm came up for auction in Milton Keys, UK. Family estate sale. Furnishings included, farm equipment, etc. As an antiques collector and restorer, I thought that it would be nice to take a look, if not to buy, but at least see what was around, and if they had any intention of auctioning separate lots of, say, unwanted furniture or farm gear, as I ran an antique auction house. My partner, who I'll call M, and I drove down for the weekend. Saturday morning, 11 a.m., we turned up for the inspection prior to the auction and we signed up for a number. Yes, there would be extra lots besides the house, and barns and cars, etc. for sale. Another friend of ours, I'll call Jay, was coming to look at some old cars and machinery that they had as he restores old cars. The house was amazing and very pretty. Lovely stonework and hedges all around the front. Very elegant in the style showing the era that it was built in. It had been restored with care, and the family members had lovingly looked after the garden. It was on two floors plus a basement, and the basement had been turned into a guest house. Very elegant, all-turned-wood stairs. I talked to M about maybe buying it and turning it into a bed-and-breakfast, or a farm stay, which is very popular. M thought about it and said that we should have a look around which means that she likes it, and she is thinking the same thing. So we look around the house, and it couldn't have been more perfect if it tried. It was very obviously loved and looked after. Very good energy about the house. And I think both of us really were thinking that this is kind of perfect. Out in the back of the house was a four-car garage, a farm vehicle shed, an animal food and storage shed, and a huge old barn with stables and cow pens and a chicken coop on the side. There was an outdoor arena and an undercover riding room, and some other things like cow yards and crush and a milking area. Very beautifully laid out and very clean, even with the animals still there. We walked around for a bit, and we met up with Jay and his wife that we'll call Elle. We talked about the cars and machinery that they saw and wanted, and Jay asked them about the barn. All of us looked at him like, well, it looks nice, but none of us had really looked it over, so we all decided to go and check it out. The barn was very large and very good condition, considering it was so old, and we walked down the center aisle and out the far end to the outside riding area. We left the barn door open, and we walked across the arena to look at a truck that they had parked out back. As a former truck driver, I wanted to see the old truck, and if it was in as good condition to restore and save, or if it was just too far gone. Turns out that it was in very good condition for its age, and Jay and I were saying that we have to bid for it. We were joking about me trying to get up and look into the cab with Jay hoisting me up and M giggling at the pair of us wobbling all over the place. Jay's wife couldn't stop laughing at us, and all of a sudden, the barn rear door, which swung on hinges, slammed shut and opened and shut and opened about five times in one minute. We stopped fooling around real quick, thinking that we had upset someone. So we quickly looked over the truck quietly, and then left through the side gate, thinking that the owners may have been in the barn working, and us messing around had upset someone. I should mention that it was still non windy summer days, so there wasn't anything to blow them shut, and it was only one of the two doors that did it. Around the side near the chicken coop, M and L started looking up to the windows at the top of the barn, and they stopped dead in their tracks. Suddenly, M and L both looked at each other, like, did you see that? Jay and I, walking behind, still talking about the old truck nearly run into them. I said, what's wrong, and M said that she was sure that she saw a face and then two faces looking at us, walking up the path back to the house, and the faces didn't look happy. Jay said that it's probably the two who banged the doors when we were mucking around. They're probably annoyed that we were making so much noise. I said, yeah, don't worry about it. The brochure says there's rooms up there, and they're probably hanging out there waiting for the auction to be over. So we get back to the auction, but we missed out on the farm and went for way more than we were willing to pay. But I bought the truck and several boxes of things and some furniture for the shop. All was well and good when we left. But two weeks later, we had worked out a time to come and get the truck on a hauler, as it didn't start and needed work. We showed up with Jay and another friend that I'll call R and his brother, T, who were helping load this behemoth of a truck. Jay and I was talking to the estate manager about the barn and how that we had hoped the room upstairs will come to good use to the new owners, as the view from up there would be amazing into the barn and out to the fields. He looked at us and asked what we meant, and we said that the rooms at the top of the barn that's listed on the auction details and the windows you can see on the outside of the barn. The guy says, oh yeah, if they want to do the work to repair the stairs to get to the room. I guess they could use them again. I said, what? He says, yeah. That's what annoyed some people at the auction. They knew about the rooms up there too, but were annoyed when we told them that the stairs were rotted out and all but fallen down about 20 years ago. No one had needed the rooms upstairs since then, so they'd been left alone. He even took us and showed us what was left of the stairs. There was no way that they had could have gone up there, whoever they were. The stairs were the only way up. There was no other way to climb up. And no, the girls didn't see shadows in the windows. We looked again as we followed the holler out, and the girls said that the window that they saw looked like it was open when they saw the windows and the people the last time. This time, we looked up, and the windows were not only closed, but very, very dusty and we couldn't see anything through them. I was sure that they didn't look that dirty the last time that we were here. As we were packing up, M jokingly said to the estate manager that someone should fix the rear barn doors. They keep slamming shut and opening. The guy looked double startled. He said those rear doors are rusted open. You can't close them, and that they had tried several times prior to the auction poor guy must have thought that we were nuts by the time we all left, and I think by the look on his face, he was glad that we didn't ask any more questions. I think that we freaked him out a little. So who was watching us that day from rooms no one could get to? And who was slamming doors that were rusted open? Did we upset someone laughing and joking around? Did we bother the farm spirits? I think that we must have. And I'd have liked to apologize to them, but I've never been back. But I've heard the farm has sold over and over since the auction, and no one has stayed very long. I don't think someone was happy the farm was sold out of the family. My truck also has an interesting energy about it, too. Sometimes I think that its past owner visits when I drive it. Maybe the person is happy that I fixed it and got it back on the road. Maybe I'll write about the truck another time. That's got its own weird behavior, but I still love it. Thanks for reading. Sorry if it's a bit long. I'm not used to this writing. Our final story is one person's very vivid dream of being attacked by a spirit or demon. As always, I'll be reading from the author's perspective. This whole experience seemed 100% real as it was happening in my mind. I assume that it must have been a dream, but it was by far the most realistic dream or nightmare that I have ever had. I, what I thought was, awoke from a deep sleep with trouble breathing, as though something had its hands wrapped around my neck. I opened my eyes to see this person, who was under my covers, sitting knees-first down on top of my chest, choking me with their knees holding my arms down. I couldn't see a face right away. I tried screaming for help from my wife, who was working on the computer in the adjoining room but I was unable to mutter much more than a faint murmur due to the bean's hands wrapped around my throat. After several minutes of trying to fight this bean off my body, I finally got a hand free to knock on the wall to attract my wife to come for help, where I was able to see somewhat fight this bean off of my body until my wife came in and I was then able to see this bean's face for the first time looked like a blonde female's face who had been drowned. My wife finally helped me get this bean off of me, and as I got up to hug her and turned around, the bean was gone. I got my wife to come to bed with me, and we held each other close, and finally, slowly dozing off again, I realized that this bean was back, and that it was not my wife. I felt a surge of pressure being applied to my body by the speed, as it was once again trying to sit down on top of my chest. While I was fighting, I assumed I passed out. What seemed to be about five minutes later, I physically woke up, for real this time. I threw my covers off, turned on the light, and I headed straight for my wife in the next room. I told her about my experience, and she could see that I was quite shaken up about it. I asked her about things like did she hear me scream, did she come in to help me, to which she didn't. All I could put this down to was a dream, but after reading similar stories on the internet, I wonder if it could be more of a sleep paralysis syndrome. I take antihistamines before I go to bed, but I've done so for well over 10 years now, with no previous occurrence of this at all. I have had what I believe contact with the paranormal before, although previous times have been when I was well and truly awake. I have had about a month ago what I believe to be a real ghost dream with my deceased grandfather. Can ghosts visit in dreams? I didn't think that it was possible. This experience has freaked me out completely. And I hope that there have been others that have experienced something similar in the past. Has anybody else had an experience like that? If so, I would love to hear about it and share it in a future episode. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope that everyone enjoyed the stories. Please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. A five-star review really helps the other people find this podcast. Now, in the last episode, I said that I was putting the Patreon on hold for now, but I did gain a new subscriber, so I would like to thank Melissa for joining, and I hope that you enjoy the bonus episodes that are up. Once again... Thank you all for listening, and make sure to keep your doors and windows locked, and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved.